This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Carr has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air. Picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. Hunter the beat. And the punter brings him down. Brayton Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, day four in the books for the Jets free agency. A relatively busy day, especially compared to days two and three. A lot to talk about today. But first, your instant reaction to the Jets' three signings today. Yeah, this was a really eventful day, kind of making up for the quiet um, state of the past couple days. Three new signings coming up from other teams um, also, we got to see the other signings from the previous few days announced officially. I, I just love Carl Lawson. I absolutely love this man. His energy, his positivity, his enormous smile. I'm, I'm in love with this guy. I absolutely am. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's 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 nice. I certainly liked the the video he posted um, after he got his, his Jets goodie bag, and he seems pretty hyped to be a Jets player. I think Hardy's press conference is pretty damn cool. Um, him getting up and talking right, about why he's, awesome, why he's so good on special teams because of his heart. But yeah, Lawson saying that the main reason he came to New York was Sala. He looked up on YouTube and, and saw videos of Robert Sala and it inspired him. And he really, you know, valued the type of communicator he was. And he saw the role that he could fill in his defense. And that's as a Jets fan. I mean, especially going from Adam Gase, which, you know, the past free agencies, it's always been the last two free agencies, I guess, it was the Jets got to pay the Adam Gase tax clearly players are coming in here to play for Robert Sala. And that's only something that's going to grow the more success that he has because he hasn't done anything. This is still a two and 14 team, um, but just based off his reputation alone, he's been able to build um, a top staff. And then he's getting guys like Carl Lawson, who so I feel like some of the media are underrating. I think the people who are underrating just don't know the quality of player Carl Lawson is that really the only thing that's held him back was the injuries early in his career because when he's been on the field, he's been one, uh, among the best pass rushers. I was reading the next-gen stats that he's among – he might be even the leader in burst um, off the line of scrimmage since since he came Yeah, out. and anyone who criticizes him as a non-star is just scouting sacks, well, which is I, not yeah. a good stat at all for saw, evaluating pass rushers. I saw Tony Pauline say that he'd rather have Trey Hendrickson. I mean, I guess I guess the, the, the Bengals agreed with him. Um, but you look at the difference in Trey Hendrickson's tape and Carl Lawson's tape, and don't get me wrong, Hendrickson's a, a great player, but the Jets have not had a player like Lawson in a long time. You look at Lawson's tape, he's consistently pressuring the quarterback, and the sacks that he gets are earned because there's nobody else on that Cincinnati defense, you know, helping him at all, especially in the secondary. He doesn't have much time to get after the, the, the quarterback, and you look at all of his plays, and they're all you know, pretty much insane reps that he's doing all by himself. Yeah, Hendrickson and had a I, lot think, I think the big difference between them is that, I mean, Hendrickson had a great season, but he's a little bit of a hustle pressure kind right. of guy. And, and those are great. You want those, but that's not yeah, what you he, want your big money pass rusher to be. Carl Lawson has elite. He's an elite pass rusher. Just plain and simple. Forget the sacks. He has the fourth best pressure rate over the past four seasons among all edge rushers behind only Von Miller and the two Bosa's. And his consistency is also what's great. He's had injuries, and early in his career, he didn't play that much. But he's been, in terms of his efficiency, elite his whole career. Him and Joey Bosa are the only edge rushers have a pressure rate above 13% in each of the past four seasons. So the consistency of all four years, you know he's a great chance of keeping it going because he's not a one-year wonder. Like Hendrickson, uh, Hendrickson was, having only one good season. 
right. been doing this his whole career. It's just been getting on the field, and he ha- he got healthy, stayed healthy this past season, improved his run defense enough so the Bengals could trust him to be a full-time player, and he got more snaps, and his production went up. He, was, he had the fourth most pressures among edge rushers last year, so he's an elite player pretty yeah. much in every aspect. And look, he, he's built like Thanos. The only thing that's going to hold him back are the injuries um like you said because if he if he stays healthy for at least 14 games a season in my mind especially playing next to to Quentin Williams and John Franklin Myers and whoever else the Jets had you're looking at a guy who's going to be putting up 10 plus sacks I know he hasn't done in his career yet but I'm willing to put money that that Carl Lawson's gonna have a lot of success here um but this podcast is about the guys the Jets signed today um Keenan Cole the receiver from the Jaguars um uh there was there was rumblings earlier in the day about the Jets talking to Juju Smith-Schuster. Michael, I know we talked about it a lot in the last podcast. You seem to be against it. Uh, I was pretty – I was for it. I mean, I, I think part of the reason is he, Juju's the last guy in the market that if I get that tweet from Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, I'm going to have a let's go reaction. And then it, every other guy is just like, oh, cool, the, the Jets signed him. Um, and so that was part of it. But also – the, the logic of signing a guy like Juju and cutting Crowder makes sense. And we can debate this a little bit because look, one of the biggest criticisms of this podcast is me and you are pretty much in lockstep pretty much every point at the step of the way, but we're at a bit of a disagreement here. I think that it, look, if the jets were to sign Juju Smith Schuster, because look, it's not like they, they were going to give him an exorbitant contract. Clearly this was an example of a guy who thought he might be able to get 15, $17 million a year. The market necessarily wasn't there. So he's turning around, looking at cheaper deals. The Jets, there was a report that it was between a steal, returning to the Steelers on a one-year deal and the Jets on a multi-year deal. Hey, look, it could still happen. Um, but from the Jets' perspective, look, Jamison Crowder's last year is most likely going to be this year. He's reaching 30. He's not an ideal scheme fit. I'm curious to see how, how, he, how he plays in this offense. Um, he's going to be asked to do a lot of things that he hasn't really done. Even if he's really good, though, He's going to be a free agent next year. The Jets probably aren't going anywhere this year. You can you can cut Crowder, sign a guy with like Juju Smith-Schuster. The money's going to be negligible. You're going to get a 24-year-old who's more versatile than, than Crowder. And you could turn around and probably trade Crowder for a fourth or maybe a fifth-round pick. It made a lot of sense in my eyes. And from Juju's perspective, I think, I think he probably returns to Pittsburgh. I think it makes sense for him to, to go back where he has familiarity, pad his stats for another year, hit the free agent market again when he's 25. But, you know, the, the draw of New York building his brand. And, and, hell, you can make the argument that the Jets, especially considering that the free options the Jets have a quarterback are either his former college quarterback, Deshaun Watson, or a drafted rookie, a highly, te- you know, picked two overall, you can make the argument the Jets are in a better situa- QB situation than the Steelers who are stuck with Ben Roethlisberger, who – has some question marks as he's getting up there in age. Um, but the Jets pivoted to Keenan Cole. Look, it doesn't necessarily exclude them from turning around and still cutting Crowder and signing Juju. Hell, they might do it tomorrow. It does seem, though, that this is more of the type of move they would make rather than giving out, you know, a, a $12 million deal to Corey Davis, presumably an 11 or $12 million deal to Juju Smith-Schuster, and then a $5 million deal to Keenan Cole. It just seems like a lot of money to allocate to the, the receiver position, which is a position we know – that uh, maybe we, I shouldn't say we know, but Douglas didn't allocate pretty much any funds last year. Didn't want to pay Robbie Anderson. And this is an offense that doesn't necessarily require uh, elite receivers. I mean, they, obviously every offense wants good receivers, but this is a 12 personnel offense. They're going to run 11 personnel, but you could make the argument that the second tight end is more important than the slot receiver. So Michael, I guess kind of take me through your process of, of hating the Juju Smith Schuster news um, and, and, and why you think that presuming the jets don't cut Crowder and sign Juju on Friday, that Joe Douglas made the right call. Okay. So I don't completely hate the idea. I acknowledge the upside of it. Juju has shown upside in the league that Crowder has not touched before and will not touch what Juju did his first two seasons was incredible at 21 and 22 years old to be putting up over 2,300 yards over his first two seasons and averaging almost 10 yards a target was ridiculous. He was really good. But the past two seasons, the production just hasn't been there. And he's been one of the least efficient high-volume guys in the league. And I think that's just the biggest question with me. You don't know which one of those two guys you're getting. And between those first two seasons, they had Le'Veon Bell. They had Antonio Brown. Then those two guys are removed. He becomes the focal point, and his production goes out the window. So 
I think it's just a, a shot for the uh, I mean, he had, he had nine you, touchdowns last year. I mean, he did, but he was also like 90th in yards per target and pretty much every single other category besides touchdowns. He was like bottom 10. So I, I think that's just a question of which guy you would be getting. Um, because if you replace him with Crowder, I think you know what you're getting with Crowder. I think you're getting not a solid guy. I think too many people act like he's just decent. He's really good. He was seventh in slot receiving yards over the past two seasons. And that's even though in 2020, he was, is, there were at least three, four touchdowns, uh, long touchdowns that he could have had where he's wide open and either Darnold or Flacco didn't hit him. So he could have been even more productive with an average quarterback. Um, so I think he's a really good player. And with Smith Schuster, we've seen the upside that he could be a superstar player. That's what we saw the first two years. But the past two seasons, he just really wasn't very good. And so you don't know what type, what, which play, which one of those two players you're getting. So I think that's a big question mark. And I also think another thing is I don't think he's as great of a fit in the offense as everyone says. I think people are looking for that guy who could make plays with the ball in his hands over the middle, a great yak guy. But Smith Schuster hasn't really been that. His the Crowder's yak numbers across the board are better over the past two seasons than Smith Schuster's are. And over the course of his career, his strength has real or Smith Schuster's strength has really been the intermediate and deep game. And the Jets already have two guys who specialize in those areas in Mims and Corey Davis. Now they have another one in Keelan Cole. So if they swapped out Crowder for Smith Schuster, then you're losing that underneath separator, an elite underneath separator and Crowder for a guy who another guy who specializes in sort of the same thing as the rest of your offense. And you're becoming sort of redundant, I think at this point, now that they've added Cole as well. Um, so I, I do think he's not necessarily as great of a fit as a lot of people think because he isn't a great yak guy. His his broken tackle, broken tackles per reception average this past season was about half of the wide receiver average, even though most of his receptions are in the short part of the field where he has opportunities to break tackles. Um, his yak numbers, again, are not as good as Crowder's. So I don't I think what we've learned this past season with him is that this, this past season he played the slot more than any other season in his career. He played more slot snaps than any player in the league, and he had his least efficient season in terms of yards per target by far. So I think what we learned this past season is that the slot, that underneath game, isn't necessarily something he could thrive with, and that those first two years when he's playing out wide more and getting a lot of deep shots, intermediate game, that's more of his specialty. And at this point, if you're swapping out Crowder for Smith-Schuster, I think – then you're starting to have a really redundant skill set between him, Davis, and Mims, even though they're different body types, just in terms of what they do best. So that's sort of how I look at it with Smith-Schuster. There's a lot of upside, so I get it if they did go that route. But I do think there's downside that there's decent potential you are downgrading quite significantly from Crowder if you do go with him. Yeah. Do you think that signing Cole takes him out of the, the juju running? Do you think my suspicions are, are, are correct? There are some people that still believe that, look, Cole was a guy. I guess that I necessarily don't. They could, it, they could still, if they really do like him that much, cut Crowder and go with Smith-Schuster. But again, I think we look back to this past season. If you know he's going to be your slot guy, this past season is when he saw him in the slot the most. And it's when he was arguably the least productive of his career in terms of efficiency. So it doesn't seem like that's the best role for him. And you already have your two outside guys penciled in and a third one or fourth overall in terms of Cole. So I'm not, I, I could still see it, but I, I don't, I would bet it wouldn't happen, but I, I think it definitely still could. Economically, it probably makes more sense to draft somebody. I mean, at this point with the, the amount of needs, the Jets have a corner and interior offensive line. I mean, they could still take a receiver in round three or something, but it makes more sense to probably draft a receiver round four or something like that. Um, and there's a lot of those speedier, shiftier slot guys this year. You could draft one of those guys, still have Crowder, and then this guy's, you know, your fifth receiver. He's in the fold. Uh, and then once Crowder most likely doesn't return next year, he's a guy who can slide in. I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I think at this point they're probably out of the Juju Smith-Schuster market. I would say their their contract and probably still stands. They probably made a a pretty good value, maybe two or three year deal to, to Juju. Um, I think they probably turned around and signed. You know, there's two ways to look at it. Either they turned around, either they they figured Juju was using the Jets for leverage, or that he wasn't going to sign here, that he wanted a higher number, and they couldn't come to terms, and they pivoted to Keenan Cole. 
or this is just two separate moves, which the, that, there's that train of thought where it's like, this is our offer to Juju, but this is Keenan Cole guys, a guy who had a lot of interest around the league. We think I throw something in here for one second before you yeah. continue. You're bothering me a little bit. Keelan Cole, not Keenan Cole. That's what I said. Keelan Cole. You keep saying Keenan Cole, like Keenan Allen. No, I'm you're not. I, mean, you I guess keep, I'm you keep saying Keenan. I swear I know it's Keelan. I'm working off of three hours of sleep here, Mike. <laughs> but sorry, Keelan Cole. You're right. That's like um, I was making a mistake with somebody's name earlier. Um, oh, I keep saying uh, Gerard Davis. Apparently, it's Jared Davis. It is. I honestly well, didn't know that. So well, we're all maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong today. there, but I keep hearing people say Jared Davis. I'm like, do I got that mispronunciation? Maybe they're I wrong. mispronounced I so know. many. I've mispronounced so many damn names in this podcast. Okay, I don't, still don't know Harvey Lange's actual pronunciation. Yeah, that was like having to learn Kalechi assembly and pronunciation. Uh, I even even that's we pronounced wrong. But anyway, all right. Well, thank you, thank you for correcting. I in my head I was saying Keelan. I promise I know it was Keelan. Um, but uh, yeah, apologies for that. But you could make the argument that. They're two separate transactions. That Keelan is, you know, you're right. I was saying Keenan. Now that I, now I look back on it, that that Keelan is was a guy they really were intrigued with as their fourth re- receiver, their punt returner, their gadget guy that you were talking about was a need. We didn't really bring up Cole. You were talking about Isaiah McKenzie, but you talked about how the Jets kind of needed this fourth receiver, this depth kind of gadget punt returner guy. I think he's a great fit in this offense. But they could still turn around and say, look, we want the Crowder's still here. Like Keelan's not replacing him as that third receiver, so you could still turn around and sign Juju for his contract wouldn't be that much more expensive than the crowd or have a younger slot receiver. So I don't think it completely takes him out of the market. I think it's probably less likely. I think Doug, Douglas probably has his line in the sand on Juju. Um, and I think he probably ends up returning. We'll see what happens, but I think the, the, they're probably out of the market for, for, uh, for Juju Smith-Schuster. But yeah, I love the signing of Keelan Cole. I think that that was a terrific move. I think he's a guy with 600 plus yards um in a pretty terrible situation in jacksonville i don't think he's going to be asked relied to be a starter in this offense but i think he's a great fit i think you know mims in college was pretty durable but last year there was definitely some injury question marks if he goes down if Corey davis goes down if crowder is another guy who's had some not too bad injury question marks but he seems to miss it you know a game or two every year you can count on Cole to come in and, and he's, you're not playing Braxton Berrios, Chris Hogan, and Jeff Smith at receiver. You have a guy who, who has been a starter in this league and can put up numbers um, who ha- and has a lot of fans across the league. So I like the signing. I think it was a really smart move for the Jets. It, it makes more sense than, I guess, doubling down at the premium receivers. They still could do it. You know, the argument is that the Jets whiffed on Tooney so you can take his money and spend it elsewhere. But Douglas isn't going to build this thing overnight. I think he's probably set his line in the, the sand for Juju. If he meets it, great. The Jets are going to double dip there. But I think if not, this this makes economically more sense. A very similar move in signing Lamarcus Joyner because we talked about yesterday. As I got to well. talk about Cole, though. I didn't get my chance to talk about him. Okay. I, I gave you the mic and you turned it no, back over to me and correct my pronunciation. I asked you, what are your thoughts on Keenan Cole? And then you're like, it's. Keenan. And you just said it again. <laughs> Fuck you. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> I, I do like this one quite a bit. He wasn't really on my radar because he sort of – he didn't put up the big numbers playing in that terrible situation in Jacksonville. But now that they've signed him and I've gotten to look at some of his individual stuff a little bit more, there's a lot to like here. And he really checks the box of I, – I, I think prior to the signing, there were two things they needed at receiver. And one of them is what they still need. That's that gadget a guy could take end rounds make plays on screens things like that Cole isn't that guy but he is a deep threat I think he is that fourth guy who could throw a couple deep shots also makes plays intermediate too but um, he's that guy that number four explosive big play threat and he is actually really good with contested catches he has caught 19 of his 29 contested targets over the past three seasons that's 65 and half percent that's the best among all wide receivers over that span with at least 20 contested targets which i was surprised to see he's only 6'1 194 but that's great to know uh so they have another good contested guy alongside davis and mims he's also a good blocker with um above the 70th percentile in terms of pff's run blocking grade last season so another thing that davis and mims do well that he also does something that's very important in this offense um to have receivers who can block well so he checks those two boxes and he's great deep as well he over his first three seasons was consistently in the top 10 to 20 percent among wide receivers in terms of his catch rate and his yards per target on deep passes this past season he had a down year in terms of deep catches but you could blame that on quarterbacking because I mean he had 
Gardner Minshew, Mike Glenn, and Jake Luton, all some of the worst deep passers in the league. But the first three years, and still not with great quarterbacks, Minshew, Bortles, um, he was one of the best, most efficient uh, deep receivers in the league. So deep production, contested catches, run blocking, those are the three things you get with Cole. So I think he fits that fourth receiver spot very well. Yeah, I'm actually I'm glad you circled back here because there's one other point I want to talk about because you, you mentioned contested catches. It seems like Joe Douglas in his tenure here and 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 Mims was added for a different offense and he traded down, so maybe he wasn't you know the the top guy he was targeting originally. But it seems like the three receivers that Douglas have added has added, including Prashad Perriman, who signed with the Lions. Congrats to him. Uh, it's been focused on contested catches, guys. I mean, th- these in this offense, people are assuming that it's going to be a Shanahan copy. It's definitely going to be more of a blend between his brother's offense and, and his mentor's offense. Um, but that Shanahan offense really values that that's separation. And it doesn't really seem like any of the guys the Jets have signed or added are really separation monsters. I mean, clearly the yak is important. And I think they've added some guys who can really do that may not have the production to back it up, but I think in this offense, we'll be putting up that yak. I think that's something you can generate depending on which offense you're in. Um, but separation is something that pretty much, I mean, you can generate it through a scheme, but you can tell what type of player, um, can create separation just based off their tape. It seems like the jets are valuing more of those contested catch guys, which isn't something I really expected. It's something that we kind of talked with Oscar about um, when we were breaking down this little floor offense. And he was saying that like, you know, Mims isn't actually a perfect fit in this offense that he's going to have to channel the, the 2016 Julio Jones role um, for him. And they're going to have to find ways to get him involved and that they're going to focus on getting guys and get separation. But with Corey Davis and Keelan Cole, it seems like they're, they're prioritizing guys who can get those contested catches. So what are your thoughts on that? Is that to you saying that this offense is, first of all, this is Mike LaFleur's offense. This isn't Kyle Shanahan's offense. This isn't Matt LaFleur's offense. I guess kind of what are your takeaways? Do you think that's just something that's incidental? Do you think that, um, that they still believe that they can get that separation from them just due to the scheme. Just kind of what are your thought process on the type of receiver the Jets are adding? Because I think it's kind of surprising to, to me at least. Yeah, I do think it is very interesting because these two signings definitely don't fit in with, I think, the prototype matching the 49ers offense that we kind of thought they would do. Um, so it definitely seems like that the offense, were at least based on these two signings, it's really early. We'll see what else they do and what they do at guard as well once they finally they did sign one but hopefully he doesn't play we'll talk about him but um it seems like based on these two signings that this very well could be an offense that is not as similar to what the Niners have been running as I think we've assumed it would be I think it really could be you'll obviously a lot see a lot of those same principles because that's generally the case coaches take over a good amount of what they inherited and learn from their previous stops, their previous coaching tree. But um, it does seem like that this could be a really uniquely spun offense in Michael Force, uh, Michael Force sort of personal style, because, you know, Denzel Mims and Corey Davis is nothing like the wide receiver duos that the Niners have been throwing out over the past few seasons. So it, it, it will be interesting to see how, how, how similar and how different this offense is compared to what San Francisco did because the group they have is certainly not the, and also Crowder as well. The Niners have not featured the slot receiver at all over the past few seasons. They, they haven't had that go-to slot guy uh, like, which is what Crowder is. So he's not a fit in that either. So this wide receiver group does not look anything like what the Niners have been throwing out the past few seasons. So it's it, does, it does look more like Green Bay's. Right. This is definitely an offense that, in Green Bay actually is a really good comparison. Their blocking is a common theme with their receivers. They have a number one guy in Adams who is uh, a contested catch, big bodied guy. Um, so it is more similar to that. So I think, like you said, it could very well be a blend of sort of the Shanahan look, but also his brother over in Green Bay. So this is an offense I think is, at least based on these moves, probably not going to be as Niners-esque as we might have thought coming in. Yeah, I think Joe Douglas and Robert Sala sat down and when they were deciding kind of the philosophy philosophy for their team, and we've heard it preached, they want guys who are physical. They want guys who eat, sleep, and crap football, according to Peter Schrager. They want guys that are going to take your will every Sunday that want to be a New York Jet. It seems like that's what they're prioritizing more so um, because the more I've been reading about Corey Davis, the more you learn about how much of a football net this guy is. 
Um, and that receiver blocking is a trait that, you know, there's a lot of receivers out there that are, that are more interested in getting their 10 touchdowns a year and don't really worry too much about the run game. But especially in this game, if you have receivers who can block outside, I mean, you're adding five, 10, hell, even 50 yards to, to, to runs occasionally that receiver blocking does matter. And it can open up those long touchdown runs that the jets have really lacked uh, in years past. I, I like that identity that they're adapting. They want to be bigger. They want to be stronger. They want to be more physical. They want to take your soul. Um, and yeah, I think it's probably at least from the receiver mold, probably gonna be more green Bay. I think they're going to run more 11 personnel than we thought they might, but I still think you're going to see a lot of Shanahan principles, a lot of 12 personnel. Um, it's going to be a blend and, and he's gonna have his own stamp on it. I think, uh, I'm very intrigued. He's a Michael floor is a guy who's well-regarded around the league as a young up and coming offensive mind. And the jets actually have him in the building. So I'm curious to see what he whips up. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be less of a carbon copy of, of Shanahan than we thought it would be. Um, but plowing ahead, LaMarcus Joyner, um, kind of similar to what we were just talking about with Juju Smith-Schuster, because there's another guy in the market, Keanu Neal, we talked about yesterday, who, again, they could still sign. They could still have him play Will Linebacker. He played a lot of linebacker last year. But again, there was a hole for the Jets. There was a need. It wasn't necessarily a, a, an urgent need. Um, but there's a guy in the market there that still available that you could give a sizable contract to it and knock that need out. Uh, but I like the signing of Joyner. I think he's pretty much perfect for what the Jets are looking for. I thought maybe they could go Neil. They still could, as I said. I thought maybe they could go Tart because he ex- has experience in, in solid defense. But those two guys, those are starting safeties in this league. I mean, those are guys who could start for more than half the team. The, maybe not more than half, but at least half the, the, the teams in this league. Joyner's a guy who I think could start for a few teams, had success at safety with the Rams, wasn't as good at, at slot corner with the Raiders. But he's perfect for what the jets are looking for. I mean, they, there's some question marks about how Davis and may fit together. I think that this doesn't point to, to Douglas being concerned about that. I still think the plan is for may to be the starting free safety and Davis to be the starting strong safety and probably do a little bit of both. Um, but Joyner gives them flexibility. They can play that big nickel package. It gives them a strong safety who is starting experience, who has thrived in this league before gives you, it just gives you flexibility. Um, very cheap deal. One year. I like the signing, Michael, what do you think about Joyner? Yeah, it's, it's definitely – you needed a third safety because it is going to be used occasionally. I don't think you'll see a ton of a third safety during a game. Like the Niners last year, for example, they put a third safety on the field for about seven snaps a game on average, and that was very uh, – it fluctuated a lot. Like there would be games where they never used one, but there would be games where that uh, they'd have a third safety in for like 20 snaps, and the Jets did that a couple of games last year, like Ashton Davis – against the Niners actually in the second game he played about 20 snaps in addition to May McDougal playing the whole game so it is something that you see a lot in the NFL now and more so with uh with both the Niners and the Falcons did it last year more than the Jets did so um it is something that's important so you do need a, a third guy you can rely upon even though he doesn't play a ton and you also need depth as well so you throw in Joiner, and now the Jets don't have to think about safety at all in the draft and they can focus on some the, the rest of the positions that they have much bigger holes at um but for joiner he played a uh, slot corner mostly for the raiders over the past couple seasons and that didn't go too well for him uh, it was a role that he struggled in and and you know based on the tweet also with Rappaport, it seemed like he knew that and he wanted to go back to safety um, but he played free safety primarily free safety with the Rams over, um, over the last two years that he spent there from 2017 to 18. And he was really good over those two years. He was actually PFF's second best safety in 2017. Uh, and he was still pretty good in 2018 at the 67th percentile and overall grade. His coverage was solid uh, over those two years, three touchdowns allowed four picks um, only 0.3 yards per cover snap allowed, which is great. And his tackling is really good, too. He only had seven missed tackles over those two seasons, the fourth lowest missed tackle rate among safeties over those two years. So he's a very efficient tackler. And also PFF put out a tweet uh, looking at his grades between all the roles he's played in the league. And by far, comparing against slot corner and playing in the box, free safety is where he's played his best football by far. So it is going to be interesting to see how he'll fit in. Is he going to compete with Davis to start? Is he just going to fill right in as that third safety and backup while Davis still starts? Uh, It'll be interesting, but you can't go wrong with adding more depth, more experience, a guy who's played, not only played safety, but played it very well 
Uh, he is 30 years old. He'll be 31 during the season, and we know DBs can tail off at that point. All those safeties do tend to sometimes age well because it is a very cerebral position. Um, but we'll see where he fits in. I, at the wor- at the worst, you're getting good depth, um, a guy who's experienced. And this is a league with three safety. Having good three good safeties is important. And now they have that. So this is a position that they don't have to think about at all in the draft. Yeah, I, again, I like the signing. I think similar to the Cole signing, smart, economical is a guy that that I I think could play a bigger role next year. These are the type of signings that, especially if May or Davis, who have both had their own injury issues in the past, go down. This is a guy that can slide in, and, and you're confident can can produce. This is not Matthias Farley starting five plus games for the Jets or whatever. Um, this is a guy that, that I think you should be confident in that safety position. Can play free safety, can play strong safety, how can play the nickel corner if needed. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the signing. Another weapon for Robert Sala. I think you're going to see a lot of these types of signings um, over the weekend, just kind of these economic, smart, low-budget type of moves where they where they project they can get more out of a player. Um, yeah, I think this is, this is a good signing by the Jets. But perhaps their biggest signing of the day, Dan Feeney, um, <laughs> offensive lineman from the Chargers. No, I'm just kidding. He, in in literal terms. Yeah, in literal terms, he, he does look like an extra on Duck Dynasty. I mean, with that mullet and that mustache combo. Um, and he does play like one, too. Yeah, so yeah that's, that's true. Gave up yeah. the most pressures amongst – he played center <laughs> last year, most pressures amongst centers, third most pressures among guards in 2019, most pressures among guards in 2018. So he's pretty bad, I think yeah, you let's, could say. Let's, so, let's, let's not delude ourselves here. He's not good. It doesn't mean it's a terrible signing. I think he's a guy who competes for a spot in training camp. I think he's more of a Pat Elfline or Josh Andrews replacement. Um, you know, it's he's still relatively young. That's something that we've seen has been a trend across most of Douglas's free agent signings. I think he's only 25 or 26. So it's a guy that maybe you're hoping with the scheme change can, can be a good fit. The best case scenario is, I mean, look at a guy like Brandon Shell last year who leaves and, and Jets fans pretty much trash him as being terrible. He goes to Seattle. He's not amazing, but he actually had a, had a bounce back season with Seattle. So you're kind of hoping the scheme change can, can at least get into a, a solid level, but yeah, this is not a guy that the jets are going to be counting on to start multiple games unless somebody goes down. I'm glad they did something on the interior offensive line, but I think still there's more moves to be made. Um, I, I guess first, Michael, your thoughts on, on Feeney outside of what you just said. And then second, Abushi's still out there. Trey Turner's still out there. Do you think that the Jets' starting guard or one of their starting guards is in free agency, or do you think that the, they're both going to be rookies? Do you think it's going to be the Lewis Van Roten show again with the rookie? Do you think they've got to make a trade? I guess kind of your thoughts on the interior of the offensive line. Yeah, th- this is this is definitely the one thing, because I like this offseason quite a bit so far. The few moves that have been made I do like. Um, they obviously still have to make a cornerback move if they don't – make a move there. That's a problem as well, but there are enough good names out there to where you can feel confident. They will do something at some point. So that's important as well, but the guard spots, they're in a really tough position here. And again, you can't blame them for what happened with Lindsley and Tooney. It's just two guys. They went to teams that are in much better spots than they are. So you can't blame them for missing out on those guys, but it's just an unfortunate predicament that they have all this cap space and there are only two legitimate starters available um you know those are the only two superstars but even beyond them there's just not really any other good starters period just even decent guys um but Odeyabushi is probably the only other one and he's still out there so they could look at him uh, if they buy into his improvement last season so I think that is something I think they should go after Abushi. he's the only um slightly even at least slightly enticing guard option left so I think they should look at it but um beyond him there's not much there so it will be interesting to see what they do will they explore the trade market um and then you're you're going into the draft in this position where it's sort of like you almost have to draft one um or else you're going to be really thin there so that's not a great spot to be in in terms of draft flexibility so um i like a lot about this offseason but this is a really tough spot and it's not necessarily their fault again um for missing out on those two guys Lindsay and tooney um, although it seems like they weren't more, even more Tooney, 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 Tooney. more so Tooney, but again, just one guy who decided to go to the two time reigning AFC champs. You can't blame them, but it's, it's a tough spot, mostly just because of not missing out on him, but the, just the state of this free agent market being really weak at guard. So um, Cameron Clark's development is going to be huge. If he can step up and take a second year leap and 
be a competent starter, that would be absolutely massive for them to get that in-house development to fill one spot. And hopefully you can put a rookie in the other one, maybe a Bushi or some other stopgap. Not Feeney, hopefully doesn't start because he just hasn't been good at all. Is he better or, or worse he... than Pat Alfline? I think, a, I think it's a wash. A... I mean, at least at least he's been uh, Feeney's been trusted to start every single game. And he's a lot cheaper than seasons. Alfline. So, you know, the Chargers had to see something in him to let him start every single game the past three seasons. But it's not like the Chargers have had a revered offensive line and they're yeah. putting a lot of effort into fixing it, partially because of how bad he was. So I, he's pretty bad. I don't think he should be starting, but It'll be interesting to see what they do with guard. There's not a lot of options pre-draft. Yeah. I mean, look, the guard, Oscar was, when we were breaking down the, the position value for this offense, the guard spots are not necessarily priorities in this offense, but you do want guys who can hold their own. Um, I, I, you know, I haven't really been thinking too much about Cameron Clark. I think the fact that he didn't play as a rookie was kind of a sign that, okay, this is a guy that was really raw. He had a red shirt year, um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about when they drafted him that they're trying to build this pipeline of having young players that when they're older counterparts leaving free agency or they're bad and get replaced or whatever, you can have these young day three picks come in and, and play meaningful reps and start. I think Clark, look, he balls out in pre, you know, uh, preseason. He should certainly be a starter. I think he's probably more this season in that role where he's going to try to get on the field, um, be that depth option, and then you know, hopefully can prove himself as a starter throughout the season. Um, that would I agree. I mean, obviously it would be the best case scenario um, for the Jets. But yeah, Feeney for me doesn't move the needle. I think that they still need to make some more moves there. Um, but yeah, I don't like being pigeonholed into having to take an offensive, an interior offensive lineman in the draft, but there should be some good prospects there at 23, especially between Mayfield and, and Vera Tucker. I think one of those guys is going to be there. Mayfield's a guy who played tackle in college, but I think could slide inside the guard and have a good career. There's a number of those guys. Wyatt Davis is another one who should be available at 34. I don't think they need to double dip. I think you can probably survive. I mean, we talked about it yesterday on the, how the Rams didn't make any changes in their offensive line. And it was pretty much just coaching that, that turned him around. And I think John Benton is a really highly respected offensive line coach. I think this is a better scheme for a lot of guys like McGovern, especially McGovern and fan are two guys I think can, can really improve their, on their performance last year. Not only the continuity of, of, of being on the same offensive line and not being new. Um, but also I just think the scheme fits their skill set um, a, a lot better. So uh, I think they could definitely take a jump. I think they probably need to take one between 23 and 34, but whichever one, let's say they take an offensive lineman at 23, I think 34, just based off positional need probably needs to go to cornerback. Um, and speaking of cornerback, Michael, as we've done at the end of all these podcasts, I guess who's still out there for the jets that, that you want them to pursue day four was a lot more active, a lot more names kind of left the market, but we have a whole weekend here where I think Douglas is going to make some moves. He's going to be busy. Are there any names that still stick out to you? Juju's still in the market. Keanu Neal, I don't think Joyner necessarily excludes the Jets from signing Neal. I think it just makes it less likely. But look, if they're comfortable with Neal being more of that will linebacker, Joyner played more free safety than strong safety. So you can get more of a prototypical box safety in there. Um, so those are probably the two biggest fishes on the market. But there's just plenty of solid contributors uh, across the landscape. Who are some names that, that Jets fans should keep an eye out um, as we head into Friday? I think Kyle Fuller is a really interesting addition to the cornerback market. He's really good. And, you know, he, he only was released by the bears because he had a very big cap number, which I believe is 20 million. So, um, which they still probably should have been willing to deal with because he, he is that good. So he's a very interesting late addition to the market. It, it seems like Denver was interested in him the most based on the early report. So maybe the jets won't be in on him, but Adoree Jackson still out there a corner then the veterans on one-year deals Sherman and Rhodes um, they got to get one of those one they should at least try to get one of those guys getting a cornerback on the outside is huge you don't if you it's going to be tough to go into the draft with your outside corners being bless Austin and Bryce Hall um, and we're mostly talking about Austin obviously Hall has great upside I think they're going to be okay with him starting We'll see what happens, but you can feel good with him going in. But that other spot, you need something there because you don't want to rely on a rookie to start right away. It's a tough position to play as a rookie. And obviously, Bless Austin showed us last year, he's probably not starting material. So that's a huge need. They need some help there. And then in the slot, still have Kwan Williams and Brian Poole out there. So 
one of those guys. You have links to both, Poole having played here the past couple seasons and Williams with the solid connection. Um, those are two of the best slot corners in the league. Poole in 2019, fewest yards per cover snap allowed out of the slot. 2020, it was Kwan Williams who led in that category. So one of those two guys in the slot would be huge as well. When you turn around and look at the offense, that tight end spot and that running back position, those are two spots where the Jets could certainly add. I mean, they were the worst offense in all football last year. There's some question marks about Herndon. Do you think the Jets should should try to look for guys in free agency, or do you think at this point they'd be better off? Look, they have so many damn picks that you can knock out running back and tight end in the third round alone and get two really competent starters or maybe not starters, but at least two competent players that can eventually be starters. Do you think that should be their strategy? Do you think that is their strategy or do you think there's some names in, in that market that they could still target? I think there are some names. You, I think I'm running back though. You already have P Ryan's going to be here. Johnson's under contract and you just resigned Josh Adams. So that's three guys. I think you can feel okay about Adams and Johnson played great last year. P Ryan is just drafted by PR didn't play too well last year or even close to as good as those guys, but he was drafted by Douglas just a year ago. So I think those are three guys who are, um, who are not necessarily all locks to make the roster, but we'll all be there in camp and are near locks, I guess. So I think at running back, they might be done, but Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breida, two guys, the Niners connection who can catch the ball very well out of the backfield would be interesting to me if they do want to throw another name in there. Um, at tight end, Dan Arnold, I think, is interesting. Has a name that's pretty similar to Sam Darnold, so that's a concern. But in terms of actually playing football, he was good last season. Um, he was really one of the most efficient tight ends in the league. He had a touchdown or first down and over half of his targets. Averaged almost 10 yards a target. Um, and he's only 26. So Dan Arnold at tight end is interesting as well and and maybe they do look to fit, uh, fill out the tight end position in free agency so they could focus elsewhere uh in the draft but there's um, some exciting those, tight ends though Breven jordan tommy tremble there's some exciting tight ends in that range yeah, it definitely like is a good tight end class though so you know, at the same time they could put off maybe look at that in the middle rounds but still so many other important needs maybe they try to you know fill out the less important ones in free agency they could go either way but um those are probably, I would say, McKinnon and Breida running back, if you are looking to add another guy, because it's pretty crowded already. Um, and at tight end, I like Dan Arnold. And then the backup quarterback spot, do you think we're, st- we're still in the Nick Mullins trend? Yeah, I think so. I think that makes the most sense, just because of the familiarity. Uh, it's not really a great market anyway. The Bills just got an amazing backup in Mitch Trubisky, so um, the Jets now have to fear him if Josh Allen goes down. <laughs> Hey, I think you're joking, but Mitch Trubisky is actually a pretty solid backup. I mean, I think the the memes alone would would dissuade me from ever wanting the Jets to sign him. But hey, that's a guy with starting experience. I mean, played all right. The Bills, the, the Bears went to the playoffs, so he's not he's not. I mean, he's probably a top five backup. Yeah, that's what I would okay. say. What do you yeah. think about Flacco visiting with the Niners? Because we've talked about it, we don't really feel like he's a scheme fit. But yeah, that's that's really because yeah, that's the first thing that came to mind that. You said that last time, like he's not a great scheme fit here, which which you're what right. What the hell do I know? I mean, Joe Flacco is probably one of the least athletic quarterbacks in the league, a relic from that, you know, past era. But um, I don't know. I guess it, um, <laughs> the Niners fossil. are okay with him. Um, he showed some agility last season. He had some really good outside the pocket plays. Well, um, he, can, he can't roll out. I mean, he's not like he has legs. It's just that. He has legs. That's how <laughs> I'm scouting for. He has 10 toes, two feet, and two legs. It's just, you know, he's not – what do you think his 40 is? It's what, like in the in the fives? <laughs> uh, probably probably like five. I would say like I, – I, I, my guess would be Who, five, two, four. So, so Becton runs a faster 40? Yes. <laughs> that's that's honestly kind of incredible. Uh, last free agent to talk about before we do our, our Joe Namath guarantee, which at this point we've been wrong every single one, so it's more the Rex Ryan. Just going to say Carrie Hyder. <laughs> no, we're we're I, I was going to make a caveat, but I don't think we talked about him yet. Dory Jackson, what are your thoughts on him? He hit By the way, Flacco ran a four eight four way back in the day. Yeah, way back in. The, I don't even think I was watching football when he ran that time. So that yeah. was in two thousand eight. Okay, that, that was my pretty much my first year of actually like watching every single Jets game. So I, I can't imagine that number holds up too well. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on Adoree Jackson who hit the market from Tennessee? Um, an intriguing player, high pedigree. 
what are your thoughts on on the Jets potentially exploring him? Yeah, I think he definitely is, you know, sort of like Kyle Fuller, just a late addition, a young, good starting cornerback to the market. Um, his, his numbers are interesting because PFF grades him really well, but he doesn't have the best coverage numbers for his career. He's given up 15 touchdowns with only two picks. Um, so he doesn't have the most lockdown cover numbers, but I think it comes down to his playmaking that makes him really good. Um, in terms of getting his hands on the ball, he's been very good at that. He, even though he only has two picks, he has 33 passes defended over his first three seasons. So he gets his hands on the ball. He's very active against the run. So um, he, he's definitely an interesting one and would be an upgrade for this team. Uh, I, I, I don't necessarily think, at least just based on all the information that I'm looking at, that he's uh, a great starter, but he's a good one at least average and, and he's and also that, that'd be great for this team and he's also kind of an example I, look yeah i would be curious i would certainly do it for one year deal but he's that kind of guy that we were talking about with shaq griffin and, and a woozy uh other corners i guess but who are young and you you buy in on the youth you buy in on the middling production you buy in on that projection and not necessarily production based in i mean I shouldn't say based on anything, but you basically, you overpay for a guy based off the, the, the needs that you have in the market. And that's where those free agent contracts really look kind of brutal. It seems like Douglas's strategy, he's paying for guys that uh, are highly productive, that you're very confident can come in and produce. There's not too much projection. The projection that there is, you know, it's guys like Jared Davis, I guess. I, th- I think I thought it was Gerard for all these years, but then I heard multiple announcements. That's what Jared. I think. I don't know, Team Jared or Team Gerard. Uh, I guess I'll say Jared. Jared Davis, at least there's – there's uh, there, you can make an argument that, look, he was in a different role. He's going to be playing more of the Sam linebacker. You look at his blitzing numbers, that he's going to fit in better with Robert Sala's defense, uh, et cetera. But those type of signings, I don't know necessarily if Adora Jackson fits this mold, but it seems like Douglas is more likely to take the path of signing a guy like Xavier Rhodes or Richard Sherman to a one-year deal – and then figure that spot out through the draft rather than overpaying a long-term multi-year contract to a guy that might be average or mediocre, but you're going to play him like a good or a great player. Um, so yeah, lastly, at this point, it's the Rex Ryan guarantee player. You think the Jets sign on Friday, you can't be Kerry Hyder and it can't be K1 Williams. You have to go out of the box here. All right. I'm going to go with Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes. Okay. I like that. Yeah, I, I, you took mine, but whatever. I'm tempted to go Fuller. I don't know if I don't think it gets on Friday though. Um, and Fuller's kind of another example of what we're just talking about, where it seems like he's, you know, he's up. You're you're gonna probably be overpaying for what you're gonna get. Uh, but he's so does... much harder than it seems. Like who would have picked Keelan Cole or Dan Feeney or Lamarcus Joyner today? Yeah, I know. Um, Fuller does have the Douglas connection, though, I will say. I think they'll definitely explore him. I just don't think it gets done tomorrow. It seems going... like they were in on some of the big cornerbacks, though. Um, like, they were mentioned for Shaq Griffin. I think there was some Jackson talk as well. So, yeah, but they maybe they are interested. Well, I think I think Douglas evaluated them properly. He probably lowballed them, but he just said, this is the number we're going to meet, and we're not going to overpay. And I like that strategy. But it does at times leave you in a position like the Jets are now, where it's like, well, we really have to get a corner in the draft now. But I think the, the goal is to sign somebody who can hold the fort while you, the rookie you probably draft a 34 or 23, depending, um, you know, develops. You know, I'll, I'll go to the offensive line. I'll say Abushi. I think they keep adding to the offensive line. Let's I think go. He makes, I like it. I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he makes a lot of sense. I think I think Douglas is going to keep adding guys to this offensive line, and I think you could see a situation where hell, Lewis Van Roten, Abushi, Feeney could all go into training camp and they'll just compete. And not unlike Brian Winters getting cut, you might see Lewis get the axe you know, at the end of August instead of March, uh, and then they get those cap savings. So it's like, I think that's probably what they'll do, and they'll just see who who's going to perform um, in August. They're not going to uh, – you know, I think one of the things we've learned about Joe Douglas over the last two off-seasons is a lot of times heading into the off-season, there's these presumed cap casualties, and Douglas really does not cut them until he has a replacement in place. I mean, and sometimes they, they even stick in the roster. Brian Wentz is a guy, obviously, last year who sticks out, but then he gets cut 
right at the end of the season. But I think Lewis and Van Roden are other examples where a lot of people were, were banking on the Jets cutting him before free agency, but in retrospect, kind of glad they didn't. Obviously, they're not high-level starters, but you're kind of glad the Jets have that continuity. I mean, all five of their starters in the offensive line are returning. Um, now you're just trying to build off of it. And who knows? Maybe the scheme change, they'll improve. I think that the biggest benefit uh, beneficiaries of the scheme change are going to be McGovern and Fant, but maybe a guy like Van Roden can, can take the leap from it. That's going to do it for us. Um, presuming they sign anybody, we'll, we'll be back tomorrow um breaking down day five free agency preview in the the weekend um but you can follow us at cyj pod on twitter you can follow myself at ben w blessington michael michael underscore nania you can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts itunes spotify jets x factor the best place to go for jets content michael anything else i don't think so just keep in mind it's keelan cole not keenan yeah keelan cole thank you michael oh actually yes really quickly if you are able to please like uh rate and review on itunes that really helps our podcast out uh tremendously i always forget to mention it um but that is a a big boost to our podcast um but yeah that's gonna do it for us yeah don't for don't forget kids it's keelan cole not keenan cole don't be like me uh and i guess i don't know if i'm willing to go on the on the fence that it's jared davis yet we really have to figure out, is it Gerard or Jared? I mean, it, I was looking at, in the middle of this, I brought up a little thread here on the Lions Reddit, and it looks like their consensus is that it's Jared. So it is Jared. There was a player, I'm trying to, who was the player last year that we had the, the exact same debate about? And we had to figure it out. Oh, it's going to kill me. No, it wasn't Langy. It was... Uh, uh, Millette? No, it wasn't Millette. It was somebody who had like a silent vowel in their name. Owasso? Oh, it was. Yeah, it was Owasso. That's who it was. <laughs> who I just, I think I pronounced his name like 12 different times uh, or 12 different ways in the same podcast. And then, you know, we found like, Weezy. Yeah. So I just started calling him Peanut. That was my, yeah. I mean, that was his nickname, but it really sounded like my my nickname for him. Um, who, by the way, I think the Jets should resign. I think he, he might be a good, have him and Davis at that Sam linebacker spot. Gives you more depth at the linebacker spot. Let's get out of here. What are, we're talking about Patrick on a Wasso. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't still don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. And as always, folks, don't let the Jets ruin your life. Has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air. Picked off. Brian Poole to the end zone. Touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.